Uh, hi, this is Don Marrero. Yes, you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Listen up, kids. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Vic Henley. Clinton got elected in 92, and I started talking more about politics and global bigger things. I figured at the time we were supposed to be such a bunch of dumbasses in the South, and then one of us just got elected, so that was hilarious to me. We'll hear more from Vic in just a bit. We're also going to take a look back at the Turkey Drop episode of WKRP in Cincinnati in honor of it being Thanksgiving week here in the United States. And it's also the 30th anniversary of Band-Aid. That single was released last week and is doing very well. We'll take a little listen to that also. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. ABC News is warning the public about a potential holiday scam in Maryland that involves the temptation of a $100 bill. The simple scheme works like this. Drivers walk to their parked cars, and after they get in the vehicle, they notice a $100 bill on their windshield. The driver exits the car, and with the door open to retrieve it, the driver exits the car with the door open to retrieve it, only to have a thief steal the vehicle. The story later says it's probably just an urban legend, leading Snopes to warn people not to listen to ABC News. President Barack Obama imposed the most sweeping immigration reform in a generation on Thursday, easing the threat of deportation for some 4.7 million undocumented immigrants and setting up a clash for the Republicans who vow to fight the moves. The GOP offer an alternate plan that also blocks the deportation, so long as the immigrants promise to work on building the Keystone XL pipeline. A British-led consortium has outlined its plans to land a robotic probe on the moon in 10 years' time. Its aim is to raise 500 million pounds for the project from donations by the public. The mission will survey the moon's southern pole and attempt to find a suitable location for a future moon base. Hopefully it'll work out better than the last British moon base, which suffered a catastrophic nuclear accident and sent the moon hurling into space. Space 1999 joke there for you. The Filet Lander has detected organic molecules on the surface of its comet, scientists have confirmed. Carbon-containing organics are the basics of life on Earth and may give clues to chemical ingredients delivered to our planet early in its history. The material was extracted by a part of the probe that was designed by Germany. The organic matter was then detected and cooked in a lovely Bernays sauce by a part of the probe built by the French. Russia may be testing a satellite capable of chasing down other orbiting spacecraft, observers say. Such technology could be used for a wide variety of uses, including to repair a malfunctioning spacecraft, but also to destroy or disable them. More worryingly, it could be used by the Russians to get free HBO and NFL Sunday ticket. And finally, the new White House pastry chef has a sweet distinction. She's the first woman to hold the job. Suzanne E., or Susie Morrison, is an assistant pastry chef at the White House now, and will be the seventh person to serve as the White House executive pastry chef, the administration said this past Friday. Her qualifications include executive residence as a contract pastry chef for the Ritz-Carlton Tyson Center Hotel, and she was once screamed out by Gordon Ramsay. And that's been Fake News with me. It was another one of those weeks where I could have done uh, a lot of different things for the dumb bit, but nothing really headline intensive. We'll save those things uh, for the coming weeks. But um, I was at my day job yesterday, and we had a lovely catered Thanksgiving meal, and I brought a DVD to watch uh, during that. And uh, I realized as I was watching this particular DVD that, you know, this would be a fun holiday memory to share with the listeners because Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, and this is one of my favorite not only Thanksgiving memories, but favorite comedy memories. 
And uh, now, first of all, as you folks know, this podcast originates from Cincinnati, Ohio, USA. But I'm not from Cincinnati, Ohio, USA originally. Uh, I am from Cleveland, but uh, we've lived here for the past, oh gosh, uh, almost 20 years now, over 20 years. You don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati! Yes, thank you, uh, Coach Sam Wyke, former coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, Sam Wyke, for pointing that out to me. I never get tired of that clip, by the way. I just love that. I used to play it on my football podcast all the time. And and I really enjoyed the excuse to play it now. But anyway, um, so this is, uh, I would say, the uh, the single funniest sitcom episode in the history of television, uh, arguably. I know people would say there's uh, there's other ones, but I think this is right up there, certainly. It also arguably has the greatest single line from a TV sitcom. And you, you might even know the line from this show, not even quite know where it came from, uh, those of you who are a little younger. Um, I don't mean to insult you. I know you've, you've lived on the earth for a long time. You Maybe you have seen this. I don't know. Anyway, the show in question is WKRP in Cincinnati. Now, growing up, this was one of my favorite shows, uh, not so much because it took place in Ohio or Cincinnati or anything like that, because like I said, I grew up in Cleveland. Cincinnati didn't matter to me. In fact, the creator of the show, a comedy writer named Hugh Wilson, said that uh, he liked the call letters WKRP because it's supposed to kind of spell crap phonetically. Uh, he liked the Cincinnati behind it because it just sounded good. So it could have easily have been WKRP in Indianapolis or WKRP in Milwaukee, but Cincinnati just sounded better. So anyway, but I guess people around here in Cincinnati kind of took to the show, kind of like, you know, uh, we in Cleveland took to the Drew Carey show and, you know, people in Pittsburgh, I guess, have taken to Sullivan and Son and things like that. So anyway, uh, the, the, the best episode I think um, you will find is an episode called Turkey Drop. And the premise of the episode is the station manager is Arthur Carlson. His mom owns the station. He's the general manager. He's feeling left out, and he wants to do something to be more involved with what's going on in the station because they, he changed the format to rock and roll and hired all these young people. But um, him and, and the sales director and the news director, who are a little closer in age, they're feeling kind of like they're, they don't really belong, they don't really fit in. So uh, they, they devise this plan, Mr. Carlson does, and, and, and enlists these two guys to help him out, that to give away turkeys. Now I'll give you some fun facts about this turkey giveaway uh, a little later on after I play the main clip. But uh, the, of course the premise is that they're going to give away these turkeys. Uh, the younger people at the work at the station don't quite know what's going on and so they uh, send the reporter out. He's one of the older guys even though he's with uh, Mr. Carlson and the sales manager Herb Tarlick uh, on this. He doesn't quite know what to expect either so they send him out to the shopping mall, the fictitious Pinedale shopping mall in Cincinnati because some kind of giveaway is going to happen. Meanwhile back in the studio we have uh, Andy Travis, we have Venus Flytrap, we have Bailey Quarters and the disc jockey on the air is Dr. Johnny Fever. They're crowded into the studio listening to Les's live report and then Les uh, here's a helicopter while he's standing in the parking lot and we will take it from there. Uh, the crowd is moving out into the parking area, and, oh yes, I can see it now. It's a, it, it's a helicopter, and it's coming this way. A helicopter? It's flying something behind it. I can't quite make it out. It's a large banner, and it says, uh, Happy Thanksgiving <laughs> from W. Ladies and gentlemen, what a sight. The copter seems to be circling the parking area now. I guess it's looking for a place to land. No, something just came out of the back of the helicopter. It's uh, a dark object. Uh, perhaps a skydiver plumbing to, to the earth from only 2,000 feet into the air. There's no parachutes yet. I can't tell just yet what they are, but... Oh, my God, they're turkeys! Oh, Johnny, can you get this? Oh, 
crashing to the earth right in front of our eyes. One just went through the windshield of a parked car. Running around pushing each other. Oh my goodness. Oh, the humanity. Oh, people are running about. Uh, the turkeys are hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. Folks, I, I don't know how much longer the, the crowd is running for their lives. I think I'm going to step inside. I can't stay out here and watch this any longer. No, I can't go in there. Are you there? Les isn't there. <clears throat> Thanks for that on-the-spot report, Les. Those of you who just tuned in, the Pinedale Shopping Mall has just been bombed with live turkey. Film at 11. Now that is absolute comedy genius. And what I realized when I was watching it this week is that it's a show about radio, and the beautiful part is that's really more of an audio scene. Yeah, it's funny uh, watching the reactions in the studio of Andy and Bailey and Venus and uh, Dr. Johnny Fever when he delivers the line, oh my God, they're turkeys. They have a pretty funny reaction. It is not at all necessary to your enjoyment of the piece because uh, the Richard Sanders, who plays Les Nessman, the newsman, does such a brilliant job of delivering that. And I guess I was listening to the... Um, the, uh, what do you call it, the commentary soundtrack on the DVD this week. I'd never listened to it before. And uh, curiously, well, not curiously, but interestingly, um, it turns out Richard Sanders listened to the Hindenburg disaster over and over again to try to get that cadence down so you could kind of match it because, you know, he's the, uh, the humanity is supposed to be kind of a, you know, uh, there's some jokes around that. And uh, yeah, and Lonnie Anderson said, boy, he really worked hard to get that right. And boy, does it show when you listen to that. Go back and listen to it again. Rewind it right now and listen to that. It is, that is such comedy genius. Now, the end of the episode is what everybody really remembers, and you probably heard this line before, but uh, Mr. Carlson uh, and Herb come back. Uh, they're a little disheveled. They're, it didn't go very well, obviously, with, with the giveaway. Uh, the, the, the police and the mayor's office are calling the radio station, complaining, wondering what's going on. And uh, Mr. Carlson goes into his office for a minute. He comes back out and says, As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> I interviewed Gordon Jump, the man who says that line, a couple of years ago, and uh, actually more like 10 or 15 years ago. I believe it was for when WKRP was going to be on TV land. And I interviewed Lonnie Anderson, too, who was a lovely woman. And, of course, we've lost uh, Mr. Jump since then. But uh, he told me that um, it was just, you know, 22 minutes of great writing, setting that sucker up, meaning that, that line that he delivered. And, boy, uh, he is, he's not lying. Okay, and uh, the other little piece of trivia I wanted to tell you about this is um, there's been some debate over whether that is based on a true story. Now, uh, the guy that wrote it is named Bill Dial. The creator of the show, Hugh Wilson, also helped on the script, I guess. But uh, Bill Dial was on a radio show I used to work for called The Gary Burbank Show. And this is actually years before I wrote for the show. But Gary uh, asked him, he said, that was based on a real incident, wasn't it? And Bill Dial said, no, it was not. We made that all up. But listening to the commentary track for Turkey Drop, Hugh Wilson says at the very beginning of the commentary track, he goes, folks, this episode is based on a true story. And it's exactly the same story Gary told us. Uh, he told us years, even when I was writing for the show, he would still repeat the story, that it happened at a station in Texas, in the USA. This guy tried to give away turkeys. I don't know if he tried to throw them out of a helicopter, but he tried to give away turkeys, and it didn't go very well. And I guess they got it escaped and ran all over the place. I don't think he tried to throw them out of, a, an, of an aircraft. 
But uh, yeah, it's based on a true story uh, of a radio station in Texas, and and the guy got fired for it, and and uh, the end result eventually was probably one of the greatest sitcom episodes in the history of, of TV. Hey, folks, remember this? Dear Joey, getting my hair done. Be back at 3.30. Please go to Lawson's and pick up bread, lunch meat, potato salad, and pop. And if you want... Or this? We have fresh ideas at Red Barn, like a salad bar for you. This is the third time my husband went back to the salad bar. Or how about this? Well, Home Shirts has all of your vintage apparel needs, recalling all the great brands and restaurants of yesteryear, particularly from the cities of Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and St. Louis, but also from brands around the country. Just head to homeshirts.com and check out all of our vintage apparel needs, including restaurants, stores, great sports teams. Check it out, and when you order specifically from Home Shirts Cleveland, we make a couple of bucks, and we really appreciate it. Merry-go-round. Unique fashions for guys and gals. Hey folks, just in time for the holidays, Home Shirts has all of your vintage t-shirt needs taken care of. On Cyber Monday, we're having a big 20% off sale. For that promo code, which we have not released yet, uh, you're going to have to go to one of the Home Shirts Facebook pages or go to the Home Shirts Cleveland Twitter or follow me on Twitter at PF66 and we will have it out there sometime this week. But on Cyber Monday, it'll get you 20% off. Just go to homeshirts.com. It's all one word. And from there, you can navigate to the individual cities, Milwaukee, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, or St. Louis. Or look at our collection of defunct sports teams logos, including teams from the American Basketball Association, the World Hockey Association, and the World Football League, and many, many more. Basically, if you order a shirt from the Cleveland site, we make a couple of bucks as well. There's some cross-termination in there, but I won't bore you with that now. Just remember to go to homeshirts.com on Cyber Monday. Uh, look for the promo code on one of our Facebook pages or Twitter accounts or on my personal Twitter account at PF66 and save yourself 20% and get yourself and your loved ones some vintage apparel for the holidays. Vic Henley is a stand up comedian originally from Alabama. He now makes his home in New York City. He headlines clubs across the country with his politically themed humor, and he also does feature work for Kathleen Madigan and Ron White. Here now is our interview with Vic Henley. Okay, joining us on PF State Reporter, it's Vic Henley. Vic, how you doing? I'm good, PF. Good, man. Uh, so you at home right now? I am in my home, uh, eagerly anticipating your uh, lettuce cups later. <laughs> okay. Um, so let me. You're known for those. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I've never heard that joke before. Um, actually, that's... <laughs> that's why. Hey, I'm a comic, PF. Yeah. Um, so we, I interviewed you like years ago, of course, and then we, I met you briefly at Go Bananas once after an open mic. You showed up a day early, and uh, jumped up and did a, and just uh, did a nice closing uh, of our open mic uh, performances there. And uh, but I really don't know a whole lot about you apart from the fact you're from Alabama, and uh, I don't know were you like a, a funny kid growing up and always a comedy fan, or where'd your interest in comedy uh, start? Exactly that, yes. Uh, my entire family's funny. Everybody's hilarious. They're all funnier than me, and they all were comedy fans. And so I, I was uh, exposed to comedy albums all the way back from, you know, Jackie Gleason and then through the 60s with Cosby and Red Fox and Pryor and all that stuff. And so I was just all, yeah, I was always aware. And then, you know, somewhere 
uh, high school, college, you know, just, I guess like with people thought, wow, I could play the guitar and be a musician. I thought, well, I'll just tell jokes and be a comedian. <laughs> so, so, it's so you, lucky. So you had no other career plans apart from being a comedian? Well, you know, I was, I wanted, I went to college and I have a finance degree and I was going to be a stockbroker, you know, in case, you uh-huh. know, the showbiz thing didn't work up. But then I encountered so many idiots in my first six weeks of trying to have a real job that I just gave up after six weeks and went right to the stage and, and been there ever since almost 30 years coming up. Oh, wow. So did you start? Yeah, yeah, March, March, March-ish of next year will be 30 years. Oh, doing a big 30th anniversary tour then? I, well, you know, I try to, my first paid week came in July. So when I do celebrate it, it's usually July 15th is my first paid week where somebody gave me money to actually go out of town and work a club for a week. And I made like $250. So when I do celebrate it, it is in July. March is actually like the first time I went on stage somewhere around in there. Okay. And I've never really pinpointed that one to find out what the exact date is. It's somewhere in late February, early March, but I started making money by july and so that's when yeah there will be a big 30th anniversary breakdown crazy drunk fest i'm sure oh nice well very good so did you start in new york or or, or back home in alabama well actually I, when i graduated from college i went to auburn which is in alabama and then i moved out to phoenix arizona and i lived there for a year and i started oh. doing stand-up in arizona so uh, a college roommate of mine had moved out there with his family and we were all close friends and i always wanted to get out of the south and, and by that that it, that meant not going to atlanta yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we knew a couple of guys that had gone to dallas and houston and we thought that was really cool and uh, and so when my friend went to phoenix i went and visited and liked it and interviewed for a job and got offered a job at dean witter and then got there and then they had changed the spots from giving away two jobs to only one and they told me i was gonna have to wait for like six months and be uh, office boy they're like we'll pay you and you can work here but we just can't put you in the training program for the series seven to be a stockbroker this before cell phones i'm like i moved across country for you what are you talking about and they're like well hey and i'm like well hey i'm gonna be a comedian <laughs> <laughs> so so you started there let me see what what club in phoenix would that have been well the place it was called it was a music club with uh it was called anderson's fifth estates in scottsdale and they okay. had comedy night on tuesday nights and a lot of the bars there was another bar called after the gold rush and a lot of these bars that were music clubs in around the tempe arizona state area comedy was blowing up all over america and a lot of bars were having comedy night and so i would go up on tuesday or wednesday depending on you know what night it was and what club and that's yeah somewhere in tempe after the gold rush and, and anderson's fifth estate did you have a uh, good idea? Well, boy, it sounds like P.F. Chang's in here now with those pots and pans banging in the background. This is what you get when you do a podcast from your family room. Um, uh, so did you have an idea of what kind of comedy you were going to do uh, when you started? Were you going to kind of bring that southern charm and kind of say, well, this is you know what uh, what my life is like and where I'm from? Or did you more observational what was going on at the time in, in Arizona? At the t- well, you know, I think everybody, who knows, but I think most get, you start out with what's personal to you and then branch out from there maybe. And so I did. I talked a lot about being from the south, my family, and fish out of water. I'm out in Arizona. I'm living in the out west in the desert. They're not used to any southern people and i'm not used to anybody that paints their yard <laughs> you know and and uh and goes crazy when it rains like keeps their kids home from school when it rains <laughs> so i could observe things and you know talk about southern things and kind of blend it and then i did that for i don't know six or seven years it said prior once said i read that it takes you seven years to find out who you are on stage so yeah. those first five or six years were a lot of that and i think clinton got elected in 92 and i started talking more about politics and global bigger things i figured at the time if we were supposed to be such a bunch of dumbasses in the south and then one of us uh, just got elected so that was hilarious to me oh there you go yeah and so yeah. uh 
And, I, and ever since then, for the past 20-something years, it's been mainly that. It's, that's what interests me more is I would rather have a joke about the crisis on the Crimean Peninsula than, you know, holding my girlfriend's purse at the mall. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great because, um, yeah, because you're, uh, you're friends with Jeff Foxworthy. You guys wrote a book, but you kind of seem uh, opposite from him in many ways, not just the, in the kind of jokes you do, but also in kind of because he was a, a big Romney guy, I guess. Oh well, you know it's just that well, Ron, I'm I'm on the road with Ron White right now, and we talk about that all the time. We love Jeff, and he's awesome, but you know we're not him, and he's yeah. clean and awesome and fabulous. And uh, and uh, Ron, Ron, I love the way Ron words it. Ron always says we're just a little rowdy. <laughs> we're just a little rowdier than he is. And so take note, you know, people that like Jeff and come see my show, they never get mad though. That's the good part. Sometimes I wonder if if somebody's going to get really upset because of what I'm saying or the language or both. And, uh, and and they've never complained once, so yeah. uh, I guess I'm doing okay. Yeah, well, and and with Ron, I guess people know what time it is with Ron, you know. Well, it's Ron. It's a Ron show, right, exactly. exactly yeah, if you so. come, same thing. If you come see me, if you know anything about me uh, and you come see me, then you're not surprised about any of it. If you don't know anything about me, I think you'll just like the show and uh, hopefully want to come back. So how long were you in Arizona then doing comedy? A year, only a year. Only one year, 1985, from literally January to January the following year. And in um, in the fall of that year, when I first got those first paid weeks, one of the guys I worked with was a New York comedian named Rob Bartlett, and uh, he oh, said, yeah. "You got to go. What are you do? What are you doing in Arizona? You might as well stay in Alabama. You got to go to New York or LA if you're going to be a comic." And so uh, I had some friends in New York, and I moved to New York, and I've been here ever since. Now, did Rob have the Bartlets back then? Pardon? Did Rob have his Bartlets back then? Yes, he did. After, oh, yeah, he did. I mean, he did all the crazy same shit that he does. Everything that he does now, he's always and and more. All kinds of weird, crazy, funny. Yeah, just yeah. I love him. He's. I still see him at least once a year. I call him and thank him for you know. And he's a great actor too. I see him on Law and Order, and he's worked on Broadway, and, and yeah, he did I, all right for himself. I didn't uh, realize who he was until gosh, like the late '90s uh, when they started simulcasting Imus's show on MSNBC. And uh, you know he does all the he did a lot of the voice him and Larry Kinney did almost all of the impressions and uh, character voices and all that. And uh, so I didn't realize he was a, a comedian before that. I just thought he was a radio guy. He was, oh, he was a uh, he started with a guy named Bob Nelson who was props and stuff. Oh yeah, who yeah. Had an HBO special. I, yeah, I have a, and, uh, and, a college and, football. And guy. Eddie Murphy. They called themselves the identical triplets. And Murphy, Eddie Murphy was like seventeen. I did not and, know that. Um, I've seen a video, my first or second year of comedy, he showed me, you know, like on a VHS, we're there at some gig out on Long Island, and it's just the three of them, and basically, they weren't really a trio, they would each go up and do 20, 25 minutes of their own oh, okay. stuff, yeah. Bartley would do his thing, Murphy would do his thing, Bob Nelson would do, and then the three of them would go on stage at the end, after about an hour, and do improv, and make up sketches, and do characters, and it was hilarious, Oh man! and so, but... But yeah, I've I've seen that. It, it's somewhere. I'm sure Bartlett still got it. It still exists. But uh, yeah, that was a tree. The identical triplets. <laughs> and for people who might recognize the name Bob Nelson but aren't placing it, uh, most widely known for the college football all-star sketch. That's kind of his signature. The Jiffy bit. Jeff. Jiffy Jeff. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. The character. He put the balloons in his shirt. And yeah, did, yeah. He did all kinds of characters. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. He, Jiffy, Jiffy Jeff was one of them. Absolutely. He still works. I'm pretty sure Bob Nelson's still out. Yeah. There I haven't talked to him in ages, but he's uh, he just he loves being a road comic. He's one of those guys. That, oh, uh, certainly. Yeah. Certainly, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, what are you talking about on stage these days as far as, like, what's what's getting stuck in your craw as far as, you know, the world and politics and all that? Well, you got a whole lot of, there's a lot of, you know, you got Ebola, you got Obama, and is there a correlation? 
Huh. And uh, he got a, I, I don't know, anything from, yeah, from Ebola, anything to Obama, he's a lame duck. The Republicans, Chris Christie's a large man. Uh, it's too soon for anybody to be talking about running for office in 2016, I think. Uh, there's uh, international stuff going on. There's, uh, you know, I used to think ISIS was a Bob Dylan song. Um, yeah, just, there, you know, there's plenty. It's college football season. I'm an Auburn man. And oh, there I always you go. love talking about that. The Bungles. I always talk about the Bungles when I'm in Sensing. So. Yeah, well, they had a good week this week. I'm a Browns fan myself. and we, we, It's the most erratic thing, and you should be just beside yourself. You should at least be one more win. How the Jacksonville Jaguars got their only win against the Browns well, was a travesty. Yesterday was ugly, you know? too. If we, were, we made the mistake of, see, because the, the games, if the Bengals are on at the same time, the game isn't shown locally, obviously. Uh, if they they play at a different time, the station in Dayton actually will carry the Browns games. But so my wife and I said, let's go to the sports bar over at the casino. And we did that. Uh, a bunch of Bengals fans jumping up and down because they were winning. And the Browns being the Browns. And, oh, this is awful. Awful, awful day of football for me. Oh, I, right. I know. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, but, uh, hey, you're in it. You're still talking about it. It's November. Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't had yeah. that conversation in a long time. That, that's a fact, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some, I mean, they, and the, the, the guy, that the beat writer for the, Browns I saw on Facebook was saying, hey, you know, this team is still 6-4. and four. They're still talented. You know, let's not panic. But, um, hey, right. So do you follow pro ball much? Do you, uh, you I follow everything. I okay. follow global everything. I follow international soccer. I follow everything. I'm a crazy sports fiend. Ron and them all tease me that I'm the only guy that doesn't play golf that knows all about golf and watches the golf. And we were watching oh, the Turkish. Cool. They were playing in Turkey the other morning at 2 in the morning. We were watching it on the tour bus. <laughs> That's a strange one. <laughs> So who do you follow? So, yeah, I'm a huge sports fan. I like anything. I've always liked sports my entire life. So. Well, apart from Auburn, of course, do you follow any other teams closely, like uh, uh, pro football or pro basketball? Or, no, no, or, no, you know, just, not really. I always enjoy the whatever stories going on. Uh, I really okay. do. Once pro teams, once free agency and everything started switching around, I had some friends that lived in St. Louis. So when they went from the 4-12 and 12 to the 12-4 and 4 and won the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner, that's when I really started getting intrigued with uh, – you know, growing up, I was a Raiders fan because I hated Dallas, and they were all clean-cut and Roger Staubach, and I like Kenny Stabler and the hair and the helmet and Al oh, Davis, yeah, yeah. and we're just going to pound it up the middle and throw it to Cliff Branch deep. If you can beat us, ha, 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 try. So I enjoyed the brashness of it. But then he sat Marcus Allen during a couple of years of his prime. I kind of gave up on pro ball. Uh, and so then the Kurt Warner thing really intrigued me with Northern Ireland, Arena Ball, and now Super Bowl MVP. And so then the fact that every year there is a – flip around every year just about since 99 or 2000 there's been the four and 12 goes 12 and four last year was kansas city the yeah. previous year they've gone like three and 13 so i enjoy the, the haves always have brady's there it seems like for all these years green bay's up there and rogers roethlisberger it's always the haves and it's i enjoy the new little kid on the block and will they break through and go all the way through you know, when Arizona played uh, the Steelers a few years ago, Warner again, that was amazing. So that's what I kind of like with all the sports stories. I love the NCAA tournament. I love, yeah, I'm more interested in the weird or obscure fact than the just pulling for the Falcons every week. I just never did that growing up. I only pulled for Auburn. So. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I remember talking to uh, Brian Regan a couple of years ago, and he said, he, and this is, uh, I think a lot of people are getting like this too, is he, he always roots for the team that's behind. So he flips on a game. Whoever's trailing, that's who he's rooting for. He likes a big comeback. I was at the I, I was at the Green Bay Steelers Super Bowl a few years back with Aaron Rodgers, and I had people from both sides behind me. And we've never had an overtime Super Bowl, and I always pull for that every oh, yeah, year, yeah. especially if I'm sitting in the stadium watching it. Oh yeah. And so 
when they were when they, they Green Bay had an eight point lead and Pittsburgh was driving late and I was hoping for the touchdown. Oh my God, they'll have to go for two and then maybe overtime. And I kept jumping up and down. And finally, both sides of the people were punching me in the back. They're like, "Who are you pulling for?" Because every time somebody do something good on either side, I jump up and cheer. <laughs> so with about two minutes to go, they're like, "Hey, you have to commit right now." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pulling for me. I want to see an overtime Super Bowl. I could care less. And they're like, no, you've been driving us crazy the entire game. There you go. Yeah. yeah. If I don't have like a rooting interest either way in either of the teams, like if I don't know somebody that roots for them or anything, I'll always root for the team that has, uh, has it's been has gone through the longest drought of success. Certainly. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Totally, totally, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah. Easy, so so uh, what else are you talking about on stage apart from, uh, you know, is there, any, is there any kind of stuff that happened in your day-to-day life that kind of like uh, strikes you funny or do you just mostly concentrate? Well, you know, there is a, that, that is true. There is a weird, you know, just like uh, I've, that's always been a part of my show too. Is that when you you always have ideas and you expand on them, you try to make them jokes, and then you're always just sitting around talking with friends or go home and visit your family, and funny things come up. So, that, yeah, totally. The holidays are coming. Uh, oh, yeah. I've been catching wind of all kinds of family stuff that's been going on. That's one of the reasons I do Thanksgiving there because. Everybody thinks you want to see your family, and after about three hours, you're like, "Where's the bar?" <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think there's always there's always holiday stuff that I get to do around this time of the year that I don't ever do in my show, and so there's things like that. And um, yeah, I don't know. I went home and saw the whole family, so yeah, I got a whole big dose of Alabama. Oh, cool. <laughs> Good stuff about a month ago. Well, I guess coming back to Go Bananas, a place you've played for years and years, it's kind of like seeing family. Well, it's one of the best clubs in America, and all the comics love it. Oh yeah, yeah I have friends there. I've been twenty. I've got twenty-five year friends there in town, and it is, sometimes we do a show because uh, people want to come out on Thursday night. We just always base it on the ticket sales and the reservations. Okay. And sometimes we've not done it. Sometimes we've done one. Sometimes we've not done one. It just depends on literally the crowd, and it's changed. Sometimes a hundred people want to come. Sometimes four. So either way, I've got friends there, and I get to have a great Thanksgiving dinner with people that I love and hang out and lots of friends. And so it's, it's, it's a great working holiday week for me there. Well, speaking of working the holiday, what do you make of these uh, all these stores being open on Thanksgiving night? Yeah, I, I can't stand any of this. The fact that it's, you know, the guy went right by Rockefeller Center the other day here in New York City. It's not even Thanksgiving. They've already got the tree up. They're already decorating it. They've got a big cloak on it, so you're, like, not supposed to know what it is <laughs> or what's going on. They've got scaffolding on it. But I guess it's so huge, you got to get started early. But they're already putting the snowflakes up down Fifth Avenue. It's not even Thanksgiving. I can't stand this. I really don't. I'm, I start on about the 22nd. And I'm good to about the 27th. I figure five days is plenty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the weekend, be- weekend before Thanksgiving, I guess, is, is fine. Because, you know, you don't, you, it'd be hard to put it all up in one day. But, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, I don't uh, think it's just so much. I mean, just leave them up year-round. Just go full-on Puerto Rican trailer park. Just, <laughs> just leave them up year-round. Yeah. Well, the thing, too, I think with the popularity of Halloween kind of put a... a, a put the brakes on that because I think if it hadn't been for the popularity of Halloween in the past couple of years, Christmas would have completely run past Halloween, you know, forward uh, right after Labor Day. Well, I got who, yeah, I guess so. You know, yeah. whatever. I'm getting older. The older you get, all it turns is into is, you know, New Year's Eve, 4th of July, Christmas. New Year's Eve, 4th of July, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Just a rapid, rapid wheel of deterioration. Exactly. Are you a big New Year's Eve guy? I usually work, and uh, and but when I don't, I try to go do stuff with friends. I like it. It's okay. It's a little bit of a amateur night, like uh, St. Patrick's Day. But if you can get to a good spot with friends and not be roaming around and bothered by the marauding masses, yeah, I like New Year's Eve. It's all right. I like champagne. Who doesn't? 
Yeah, yeah, there you go. So when you work, you usually work like uh, in New York, or do you like uh, like with the Thanksgiving and go bananas? Just find a club you like and and that way. I've always, you know, one of the little secrets about stand up is forever. New Year's Eve is the big money week in comedy. All the clubs will pay you double or two and a half times. They can charge people more for packages to come out and celebrate. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So not. 90% of your comics are always being giant prostitutes and taking yeah. the cash. <laughs> we hardly ever get one off. And uh, and that's why. Because, yeah, we can, we work in bars. You can celebrate and have champagne any other night you want with your friends. But when the mean people that don't want to pay you a lot are offering you a lot, we usually jump at the chance. Oh, there you go. All right. So any other uh, uh, comedy vehicles that you're working on? Uh, you uh, and you wrote the book, of course, with, with Jeff and everything. But anything else you're working on? Well, uh, I'm just still – well, yeah, I'm doing another – Ron White's doing another Salute to the Troops on CMT, Country Music Television. So that'll okay. be out again in March. We're going to shoot that, and then that'll air in March. And uh, – I'm trying to. Uh, I'm dancing in front of the Letterman people, trying to get on one more time before he goes off the air next. Oh year. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so yeah, exactly. So I'm hoping for that and that, and uh, that's it for TV right now. And just you know, out here on the road, I've been working with uh, Kathleen Madigan, who's oh, the funniest yeah. woman out there working. And Ron, between I've been doing like a week with Ron, a weekend, a weekend with Kathleen, and then a weekend with myself. Uh, on the road in a week in New York that's pretty much that's four that's every month so it's okay, been great so. I've been swamp busy for uh, two or three months here now and it's rolling into next year so that's good do you, do you take yeah, vacation you can find me anywhere I'm on the road yeah do you take vacation though do you ever set aside a week and say you know in, in this like in May or June or whatever I'm just going to take uh... oh always absolutely oh god I took almost a whole summer off I did very oh. very little yeah, I didn't I, because when I'm here in New York, I can still work almost every night if I wanted to. But I didn't plan any crazy traveling. I went to Nantucket for a week. I went and hung out with my family. I did a whole bunch of great stuff. Yeah, and I'm, you know, it's funny that hardly any of the other jackasses ever do that. You know, but I've yeah. always I've worked hard for a long time. I believe treating yourself. But some comics won't even do that. But I always have. I love shutting it down. It's my favorite thing. Uh, speaking of traveling around, you know, there's always certain jokes that I just stick with me from certain comedians, and and the one I always think of with you is especially when I'm driving around in the South and you're trying to find a radio station. It's the the two kinds of stations in the South joke of yours, which I just uh, to this day just love because it's. Well, it's either right. It's either I've added a third. I've added a oh, third. Okay. It used to be it used to be hardcore country bluegrass. Or Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That was your two choices. Yep. Some kind of deeply religious, some kind of just twangy mandolin, ding, 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 yeah. da, 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 ding, <laughs> or some hardcore, and the Lord said. <laughs> and then the, thir the third one I've noticed now in the past few years is some sort of trade show. Oh, where yeah. people are bartering things, where people are bartering things and calling in, and it's always the weirdest. I've got a dump truck load of gravel. I'm looking <laughs> for a grilled chicken breast on top of a Caesar salad. <laughs> I've got two pigs and a jar of sorghum syrup. Who's got an old Monopoly game that's missing all the pieces? I just want the hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Tradio they used to call that uh, and uh, where I used to live. Yeah, big big stuff. Down south, when I grew up, it was called Swap Shop. Swap, so different yeah, yeah. regions of the every yep. every region of the country has it. They're all fifty states have it. I guarantee you, in Alaska, oh, yeah. there's somebody going. I got a moose antler that I'll trade for a <laughs> antelope sausage. You know. <laughs> so, but it, yeah, but it, in the south where I grew up, it's called Swap Shop. But it's yeah, it's variation of that. That's the third part of. I have expanded your bit there. Peter. There you go. All right, super. All right, man. Well, awesome. I'll, I'll think of that as I'm driving through the uh, the mountains and everything, and uh, when I'm. Uh, uh, out on the road exactly next time. next time yeah next time you hear somebody trying to get a fruitcake for some bottle rockets <laughs> <laughs> think of me you could do a whole book of these things 
little, so little, little cook book. All right. Well, great talking again, Vic. Uh, have fun when you're uh, here in town and uh, you know have a good holiday season thanks. and all. Yeah. All right. It's always good time to you. I hope everybody comes out to the show. It's all great right, club. Okay. Thanks, Vic. Thanks. All right. Appreciate Bye. it. Thanks again to Vic Henley for being on the show. You can catch Vic uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio here, November 26th through the 30th. And then after that, I don't know, because that's where his calendar ends. But he's always on the road, either with Ron White, Kathleen Madigan, uh, featuring for them or headlining clubs across uh, North America. For all things Vic Henley, go to VicHenley.com. Henley is H-E-N-L-E-Y. Simple enough. All right. So um, we'll go through the usual credits real quick. Uh, Like us on Facebook. Uh, follow me on Twitter at PF66. Um, uh, original music for PF Tape Recorder composed and performed by Doug O'Connor and John Veropoulos. With a little help from me, uh, let's see, PF Tape Recorder logo by Dan Coble. And um, don't forget to go, let me see, well, uh, as far as the Home Shirts uh, promo code, which I don't have yet, uh, uh, you might have heard in the commercial before, uh, we haven't decided on it, but it's going to be 20% off on Cyber Monday. So go to any of the Home Shirts sites, hopefully Cleveland, because if you buy from Cleveland, then we make a couple of bucks. But if you go to any of the Home Shirts sites or Cincy shirts and buy some vintage apparel, you'll get 20% off. The promo code we will have on the Facebook page. So go to PF Tape Recorder and Facebook, or follow me on Twitter, and uh, just look for that. Or you can go to the Home Shirts Twitter, uh, Home Shirts Cleveland Twitter. Look for that in Twitter. Follow us there. I'll put the promo codes everywhere so you guys can find it. Okay? So don't worry about that. 20% off on Cyber Monday for all your vintage apparel needs. All right. So anyway, speaking of vintage, it is the 30th anniversary of Band-Aid. And um, I don't really have a big presentation prepared for this uh, other than to just share a brief memory with you. Uh, of the original Band-Aid when it came out. Uh, I remember coming home from college my freshman year. I uh, came home to my mom's in Cleveland. I was going to drive down the next day to Pittsburgh, to my dad's. And uh, we didn't have MTV at uh, college. We had it in the break room, I think, but we didn't have it in the rooms. It was very primitive where I went to school at Bowling Green um, in 1984. But I remember coming home and flipping on MTV, which uh, I didn't really watch much anymore because it was rubbish by then. But uh, there's David Bowie's mug on the face uh, on the screen. I'm saying, why am I seeing David Bowie's face here on MTV? And I catch the very end of his uh, little presentation debuting the world was the world premiere of the video for Do They Know It's Christmas? So that must have been Thanksgiving of 1984. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, so anyway, uh, they, of course, have re-recorded it over the years with all of the proceeds all the time going to Oxfam for famine in Africa. For the 30th anniversary, proceeds are going to fight Ebola in Africa. So I guess if you buy the original, and I think there was a 15th anniversary, I know there's a 20th anniversary for sure. If you buy any of those versions, I still think all the money goes to Oxfam. It's very well spent. It's one of the most uh, efficient charities in the world. Uh, according to uh, the people that study those things. And let me see, if you buy the new one though, Band-Aid 30, uh, it goes to fight Ebola. So we're going to play out with uh, the end, uh, like the last half of the track. Be sure to go to iTunes or Amazon or someplace and buy this so you can help those folks out as well. But uh, like I said, we'll uh, we'll play out with Do They Know It's Christmas, Band-Aid 30. So long and thanks for listening. (laughs) 